All right, let's turn our Bible tonight first to the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, we're going to be going to read a verse of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Then we'll read a verse of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And then we'll turn to Matthew chapter number 26. Uh, so we're going to look at uh, these three passages of Scripture tonight and uh, I do want you to give me your attention because I do, I'm going to need to move quickly tonight uh, to get through everything that I'd like to get through this evening, uh, but not go too fast because tonight I want you to I want you to think. Are y'all are y'all ready to think tonight? Are ready to use your mind? Do I need to get you going? Do we need to sing? I know this is just for Sunday school, but do we need to sing Father Abraham tonight to uh, get that blood pumping? Uh, but uh, I do want you to get, give me your attention tonight, and uh, I'm going to teach a lesson. I hope you uh, do pray for your pastor, and if you would, I want you to pray specifically. I believe uh, one of the things that uh, the Lord has allowed me to do and He would like for me to do is write, and I know I've, I've, the Lord's allowed me to, to write several books that I have ministry companions ought to be coming from the printer anytime, but I have a couple of different books that I'm trying to get done by the end of the year, and one is a lesson <clears throat> lesson that I'm going to teach you tonight, And so, uh, but it's something that I want you to use your mind with me as we look into the Word of God, uh, but I want you to uh, give some thought to what the Bible is saying. Second uh, Timothy chapter number four, or 6 and verse number 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. How many you believe the King James Bible is the eternal word of God? Let me see your hand. All right. So in your Bible, in black and white, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. So the Bible tells us there's a fight we're to fight. Uh, but the Bible tells us it's a good fight. A lot of times, Christians, when we come up with that word, they hear that word fight, we, we get, uh, we just, we just, we react in different ways, but the Bible tells us that there's a good fight, and it's the fight of faith. Second Timothy chapter number four, and a verse you'll recognize because of the amount of time we've, we spent in Second Timothy chapter number four, verse number seven. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. We know the context that Paul speaks, says this, is he's coming to the end of his life, and he said, I've fought a good fight. What fight has he fought? Well, he, I believe it's the good fight of faith that he mentions in the previous letter. He commands Timothy, he tells Timothy, you're going to need to fight the good fight of faith. He says, testifying of his own life, I have fought the good fight. And so uh, we understand that there is a fight of faith. Uh, how many of you want to serve the Lord tonight? Let me see your hand. Okay, good. Um, if you want to serve the Lord, you have an enemy that's going to fight you. He does not want you to serve the Lord. Matter of fact, he does everything he can so that those who have never been saved are blinded to the gospel and they never have an opportunity to trust Christ as their Savior. But once someone is saved, now he's going to fight you to keep you from keeping in, getting in, allowing God to use you to see anybody else saved. And so there's a fight for truth. There's a fight for that which is right. So we have a good fight of faith. Now turn to Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew chapter number 26. 
And when I begin reading, I'm begin reading in verse number 33. But before I do, I'm going to give you the title of the Bible study tonight. I'll make a few comments, and I'm going to have a word of prayer. Um, tonight, I'm going to teach on the fight of faith. How many of you, and we're in a political season, um, it's almost impossible for us to avoid seeing anything political. Most of us are paying attention. I don't know about you, but I've at least watched some of the highlights of the uh, confirmation hearings uh, that have been going on with uh, Judge Barrett. And, and, and how many of you doing any of this ha- has, has ever gotten angry at something that you've heard? I don't know whether it's been a de- debate or whether it's been a TV ad or one of the hearings, something like I, I've just mentioned, and the thought came to your mind to throw something at your television. Um, thought it, said it, why are they lying? Or to see politicians on their soapboxes lecturing someone are lecturing the population on the fact that we don't think that somebody ought to murder an unborn baby. Now, I've said it before, I'm probably going to preach a message on abortion coming up in the next couple couple of weeks, and I've said it before, if, if somebody would murder their unborn child and then brag about it, there's nothing they won't do. There is nothing that they would not participate in. And that's where a lot of our nation is right now. We've got to be very, very careful. I've made the statement over and over. I'm going to make it again before the election on November 3rd. We need to vote. We need to pray because freedom is on the ballot. There are those that will come after exactly what we're doing right now. Um, We have to be careful. We say, we need to fight for that which is right. We need to be very careful that we do that in scriptural context. Because in my flesh, in your flesh, there's a way that we would respond. There's a way that is logical for for us to think, and then there's a way that the Bible says that we are to respond. And I want to use this fight of faith because it not only applies politically in the season we're in, but it applies spiritually as well. As you as a Christian tonight, has anybody ever wronged you? Has anybody ever gone out of their way to offend you? Now, sometimes we get offended and people didn't mean to offend us. We're just offensive, you know. But sometimes people, they, they want to they hurt, hurt you. How do we respond to that? There's a fight of faith, and if we're not careful, we'll fight the wrong fight. And so tonight, I want you to stay with me as I lay the groundwork in the, in, in the introduction. And then we'll get to the outline a little later, but looking at this, the fight of faith. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that uh, you would give me clarity of thought tonight. May uh, my thoughts be organized. May I cover what needs to be covered this evening. May it help us to think more like you think. May it help us uh, in our actions and our thoughts. 
maybe even in our deeds in the future, may we respond in a way that would bring honor to your Son. Uh, We ask that you help us this evening, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We look at Matthew 26, and we'll just look at verse 33. Of course, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's already revealed that one would betray him. He has said that he has alluded to the fact that they are going to scatter from him. In verse 33, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. We have seen that there's a good fight of faith. There's a fight that we're supposed to fight. We see in in our text in Matthew 26 that Jesus tells Peter, says, no, no, Peter says, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never betray you. He says, oh, you are going to. They go, Jesus, of course, goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, prays. Of course, Peter, among others, falls asleep. Jesus comes to them several times and eventually comes to them and says, the hour is at hand. They come, they, Judas comes with the band, they Take the Lord, and they're going to crucify him. Look at me, same chapter, verse 51. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Now we know this is Peter. So Jesus alludes to the fact that you are going to scatter. Peter says, No, I'll never betray you, I'll never leave you. Jesus corrects him and says, Oh, yes, you will. They go to pray, and Jesus, of course, prays, let this cup pass from me. But then he says, nevertheless, thy will be done. He submitted to the will of the Father. Peter and the other disciples, that inner circle, they fell asleep. Jesus came to them, and, and then he continued to pray, and they fell asleep. And then finally he says, the hour is come, as I've already, is at hand, as I just mentioned. They get up. Peter amongst them, that band comes with Judas. Now, you got to understand, how, how do you think Peter probably felt about Judas? Judas had been with them, and now Judas has betrayed the Savior. He's betrayed the Lord. He's switched teams for the one that he thinks is going to win. And so he brings and he places that kiss of betrayal on the cheek of the Lord And they're taking him away. Now remember Peter, Peter was the impetuous one. Peter was the burly fisherman. Peter was the the one that in the book of Acts, when those learned religious heard him, they mocked him and said, who are these ignorant and unlearned men? He was not refined. This is who Peter was. He, as we see in verse 51, he draws his sword and he struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. What was the Lord's response? Way to go, Peter. Way to fight the fight of faith. Way to fight for me. No, his response was, then said Jesus unto him, put up again thy sword into his his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? And how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? Jesus reminds Peter, do you really think I need you to draw that sword and defend me? 
I'm going to get ahead of myself, but let me remind you about the good fight of faith that you and I are supposed to fight. There's not a wicked politician that the Lord cannot stop their heart tonight. Our purpose as the church is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our purpose of the church is to do what we have been commanded to do with this book. Jesus said, Peter, I don't need you to fight that fight for me. I don't don't need you to do that. Now, in the moment, Peter lost sight of the fact that this is why Jesus had come. This was the bigger picture that Jesus knew. Jesus had told them about that, but in the midst of it, Peter's flesh is what responded instead of his spirit. His flesh responded in a way that Jesus did not want him to respond. If we continue in this chapter because of time, I'll just, I'll just refer to it, and you can read it later. We, that prophecy of the Lord says about Peter comes to pass. He denies Christ. In one respect, he was willing to fight. But the battle that he should have been paying most attention to, he lost. It was the fight of faith that he lost. Because in the moment he reacted to what he knew was an injustice, to the moment he reacted to the betrayal of one who had been with them, in the moment he reacted to that which he didn't fully understand and he could not control, and so he reacted as a carnal man would react. And then when he needed to be a person of faith and fight the fight of faith and face it spiritually, what the Lord had taught them would take place, Peter denied. Peter denied. Peter denied. And instead of fighting the good fight of faith, he lost that fight. Instead of winning that fight, and many times as Christians, I'm afraid the same thing happens to us. We get confused with, hey, I'm going to fight this battle. I'm going to fight for the Lord. We better be careful and make sure it's the right fight that we're fighting. Because just as Jesus did not need him to draw that sword, there are things he do, the Lord does not need us to do. See, Jesus knew that Peter's fight of faith could not be won with swords or staves. He knew that Peter did not understand the real battle when he found them asleep in the garden instead of praying. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Christians who will tweet and hashtag and all that, but yet they can't stay awake in a prayer meeting. They'll go to a political rally, but they can't come to prayer meeting. Well, if, and you've probably seen it, and there's a lot of slogans, and there's a lot of articles written about it, and there's a lot of things. Well, if all of the Christians just voted, we'd never lose an election. I got one better. If all the Christians just went to church. If all the Christians just prayed. If all the Christians just lived like a Christian. We got to be careful not to fight the wrong fight. Could it be as Christians, that we are fighting and failing because we are fighting the wrong fight? Are we fighting a fight of flesh rather than a fight of faith? And there's always been something inside of us who believe the truth that there should be, that I'm willing to fight for what I believe in. Fight for the truth. We need to make sure that we don't fight the wrong fight. 
Let's think of Peter. How was it that Peter could have possibly denied Christ when the Lord told him he was going to do it? How could he not see that coming? I, I, you, I, you know that I've, I've been around church my whole life, and I've heard this story many, many times, and I've certainly, this isn't the first time I've asked myself the question I just asked you. Hey, Peter, you idiot. He said you're going to do it. How, why weren't you paying attention? How come you didn't stop and say, oh, yeah, this is what... But sometimes we fight that fight the flesh as well. And let me answer that question. It's much easier to understand it when we consider that Peter's perception of the fight was a human perception, not a spiritual one. Fighting the fight, it was a human perception, not a spiritual one. He was prepared to brawl like a fisherman. When he thought the time of the fight was at hand, he jumped into action. But this fight was different. The battle was not to be won by sword or spear. The fight of faith was different than any battle, any other battle a man could imagine. Think with me just for a moment. Stay with me and we'll get to the outline in just a moment. See, Peter was not guilty of pacifism. He was guilty of fighting the fight of a personal agenda instead of the actual fight of faith. I don't like the liberal, liberal narrative that takes place in our country. I don't like that narrative. I don't like, and as an American, I'm going to take a stand against it. I'm not going to support that. I'm not I'm going to stand against that. I'm going to vote in certain ways to, to try to eliminate that. But as a Christian, I must approach the fight that I am handed, the fight that I'm handed in a spiritual manner, not a carnal one. I trust that this makes sense tonight. He was guilty of fighting a fight of a personal agenda instead of the actual fight of faith. Uh, I mentioned abortion. I use that as an example. The more accurate word is is baby murder. I mean, it it makes my skin crawl. And And this shows you the mindset of people. This is why our president is hated. This is why there's a narrative there is. It's all to protect the right to murder unborn children. As wicked as that is, that's not to be my main fight. My fight is to be a spiritual fight. Say, Pastor, why don't we get together? Why don't we go pick it? And why don't we? That's not our fight. Now, if you, if you want to do that on your own time, I'm not going to stop you. We've, while we've got the freedom of speech, if you want to use it in that way, go right ahead. We would probably be more productive from a spiritual standpoint if we took that same energy and effort and went and told somebody else about the Lord or invited somebody else to the house of God. For as much time as I spend in organizing and helping in in a political realm, I could spend that time studying, being a witness myself in my prayer closet, fighting the right fight. I'm not saying... And you've heard me say it. I'm not saying that a Christian is not to ever have a political opinion, is not to ever have any part in anything that goes on in our nation. I'm not saying that. As a citizen, we have to be engaged. We've got to be very careful not to fight the wrong fight. The fighters of faith in the Bible were men and women who do not fight to fight, but who fought the good fight of faith. You know, there's some Christians, you just can't get along with them. Because they've always got to fight about something. Because they're fighting the wrong fight. Peter was in a fight he did not see. 
He was battling a force stronger than his manhood and personal resolve. Let me grab a sword and, and let me strike this servant of the high priest. I can handle him. I mean, he was a fisherman, not a soldier. He got his ear. And sometimes that's as effective as we are as a Christian when we fight the wrong fight. And I know sometimes in my own flesh, like, I want to do something. Or if I say this, this is what's going to, you know, I can handle that. Or maybe we got to organize and do this, and it's as effective as drawing the sword and striking off an ear. That's why don't engage with a scorner. That's why don't, don't engage with those who want to do you harm. That's why you don't, don't engage with the, the enemy who's just trying to hurt the cause of Christ. You don't engage with them. You just fight the good fight of faith. Because if we're not careful, we'll fight the wrong fight. The Lord can take care of anyone. Now, I, I pray and I hope and I believe that after the election, we're going to be okay. Does that mean that Trump's going to win again? It means that no matter what happens, God's still on his throne, and we're going to be okay. But I do believe it is going to go a certain way. But what if it doesn't? God can take care of any political individual that is living. What is our responsibility? We're back in, the, back in the 80s and that moral majority and all those pastors left and they got involved. We got Reagan elected. Yet, yeah, and two presidents later, it was Bill Clinton. But what happened is we sacrificed churches at the expense of getting a president elected and we lost the fight of faith. I know this isn't popular preaching today, but it's Bible. The fight of faith came when Peter could no longer see the purpose, the plan, or the preferred result. Listen to me. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. The fight of faith came when Peter could no longer see the purpose, the plan, or the preferred result. How do you know when the fight of faith? Remember that word faith? Faith is what we believe, but it's by faith we live. Well, how is this going to work out? You think, Peter, the, the fight of faith was when he knew who Jesus was. He knew he was the Son of God. He believed that he was the Messiah. He believed in who he was. But Peter never knew what was going to happen. He never saw coming until it was right in front of him, Judas and those religious to come to arrest him. He denied him when he was in the presence of Jesus being tried, when Jesus being falsely accused, Jesus being beat. He, in his mind, he could not understand that. This is the Son of God. Why is this taking place? From my standpoint, this should not happen. From my standpoint, this is not possible. He couldn't see the purpose, the plan, or the result. That's where the faith comes in of what Jesus had said. And sometimes we as a people generally, as God's people, we don't know the plan. We don't know the purpose of what God allows. We don't know how it's going to work out. So our default, if you will, is to respond as flesh would respond. But that, that's when the fight of faith comes in. 
in those instances, I'm supposed to fight the fight of faith, not of flesh. The fight of faith came when he could no longer see the purpose. Everything was on the line with no guarantees. Everybody likes the Christianity with nothing on the line. Everybody likes to say they believe that Bible when they have nothing on the line. Everybody likes to say, I stand for Christ when they have nothing on the line. Uh, Christians like to say, well, I would, for, for it, no, there's not one principle in this Bible I wouldn't stand for until there's something on the line. I'm going to rear my children the way that God wants me to rear them until there's family on the line. I'm going to take a stand for the cause of Christ until relationships and friendships are on the line. I'm going, to, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do as a child of God and of faith until the, I'm the minority. That's when the fight of faith comes in, when you don't know how it's going to work out. When the guarantees are all gone, we see nothing except the risk of sacrificing everything for nothing, then we understand the fight of faith. It is at that moment when everything is on the line for him and when nothing is visible for self that the real battle begins. When doing right is claiming Christ and when obeying his word looks more disastrous for ourselves, that's where we are. It was one thing for Peter to fight when they came to get Jesus. When his dreams and goals were gone, his will to fight ended. Now, think with me just for a moment. Jesus is going to be crucified. Jesus is going to give up the ghost. He pays our sin debt. Three days later, he comes out victorious. He meets with them before he sends to heaven. He commissions them. The church is going to be empowered. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches on Pentecost. and 3,000 were saved and added to the church. Peter is going to be used in a great way. But Peter did not know that. Peter did not understand all of that. He, he, his dreams and his goals were gone. And that's when we find the little damsel saying, aren't you one of them? And he got defeated by a little girl, the mighty Peter, who wielded the sword. Why'd that happen? Because he was fighting a fight of flesh, not a fight of faith. This is a good explanation of why people we look at, and sometimes it's ourselves, we look at others, we say, well, I think they have, they're a strong person of faith. And you watch them waver. In some cases, you watch them fall and say, how did that happen? Because we all have a tendency when we don't understand, when, when there's things on the line, it's the fight of faith. We've got to trust God that what this book says, we don't know how it's going to work out. But I believe God. That's when the fight is won, and that's when the fight is lost. It's easy to lash out as Peter did. But when his dreams and goals were gone, his will to fight ended. Why did Peter and many other fighters in history fail to recognize the right faith when it confronted them? Why was their fight not always a good fight of faith? I'm going to give you the outline tonight. There's some explanation of why Peter lost this fight of faith. I do not want to lose my fight of faith. I, I wish I could tell you how everything in this world is going to play out, but I can't tell you that. I wish I could tell you and be honest when I tell you that I think things are going to get better for Christians the closer Christ's return comes, but the Bible tells us that's not the case. I wish I could tell you that if Donald Trump gets reelected, all the church's problems are going away. 
That's not going to happen. Because it's not about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. It's not about the Democrat-Republican. It's the forces of evil and Satan who are still trying to, are still rebelling against God. So long after all those characters are gone, it's still the same actors, if you will. So we have got to be prepared to fight the fight of faith instead of the wrong fight. Let me give you the yeah, There's five statements I'll make, and I've got 15 minutes to make them. And so I'll get through at least the first one. First statement is this. This is why Peter failed because he was not fighting a good fight of faith. Number one, Peter was looking for a fight against the flesh. This is, the big, this is a big mistake for a lot of well-meaning Christians. They think their enemy is flesh and blood. Their enemy, the enemy is never flesh and blood. Now, just as God uses people, Satan uses people as well. But we have to understand that we're not to fight enemies of the flesh rather than fighting enemies of the spirit. We need to realize this fact and stop wasting our time fighting those that we perceive are in power instead of the true powers. Um, I'll, I'll use because it's political season, and I think everybody here will be okay with it. Um, Joe Biden is not the one in power. That Senate Judiciary here that's been beaten in Kamala Harris and all those, they're not in power. Nancy Pelosi is not in power. Who's my reason? Donald Trump's not even in power. God's in control. I'm not to fight my perceived enemy flesh to flesh. How's the best way for us to fight? In our prayer closet. Righteousness exalteth the nation. It don't matter who's in power. If God's people are righteous, it exalts the nation. See, Peter was looking for a fight against the flesh. There's a great division in our country. And it's easy to explain why it's there. But I'm not to get involved in fighting one side or the other because I have a fight of faith. Now, I don't know about you, and I have to limit myself to the, my, the political politics of the day. Everybody out there with me? Because, because I, I believe I am a red-blooded American. I believe I am a patriotic American. I know enough of our history to know the sacrifice that has been made in all these political statements. It tramples on the blood that has been shed. I think they're traitors to our country, and I've got history in the Constitution to back it up. I know what we did with traitors back in the founding of our nation. That's what I believe them to be. But if I'm not careful, I lose my focus as a Christian, I should, still have a desire, I should still have a desire for those burning our cities down to be saved. Now, I don't feel called to Seattle to win them, but you understand the point that I'm making. We can't look at fight against the flesh. I remind you, Christians are war, not the rest of the flesh and blood. Yet for some Christians, that's all they do is they're always wrestling with flesh and blood. The real fight of faith is a battle of the unseen. Let me tell you how you're to fight the fight of faith. Even in this heated political day we live in, obey God. 
Obey God. You see a lot of Christians pitching fits politically. I want to ask them, are you obeying God? Are you in, you were at a rally on Saturday night, but you weren't in church on Sunday morning. I think you got it flipped. Obey God. Now, if you want to go on Saturday night, be there on Sunday, Sunday morning. That's no, number one. Peter was looking for a fight against the flesh. Christians should take a stand. We most definitely should denounce sin. But before I give you number two, tragically, most of us do not weep and fall on our faces before God seeking His power and deliverance from sin. It's easier to lash out at flesh and blood as Peter did. I hope this is making sense tonight. Number two, Peter was looking for a fight with the wrong values. Let me back up and say again, those who were threatening the Lord and who were threatening Peter and his other disciples, they really weren't a threat to the Lord. He can take care of them. And something you and I need to be reminded of, God don't need us help, our help to take care of his enemies. He wants us to obey. He wants us to, as the church, that's why we're going we're to advance the cause of Christ. We're going to preach the gospel. Um, we're not getting sidetracked by anything that goes on in our world and our nation. Uh, that is what we are going to do. That's how we fight the fight of faith. Number two, I just mentioned, Peter was looking for a fight with the wrong values. Um, think, think with me for a moment. You have to think. We enjoy blasting the values of a lost world and the philosophies of the humanists in our society. Think just for a moment. Everybody, everybody with me? It's laughable listening to an evolutionist. Besides the fact that they're denying the power and the authority of my God, I laugh at them. Millions and millions of years ago, it is so easy to pick apart the argument. We can blast, we can make fun of politically in this political season. It's easy to look at another political side and poke holes and look at, you just said this and now you're saying this. It hasn't been that long ago since you said the exact opposite. We can do all of that, and Peter can look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other groups in his day, pointing out their faults in their values, yet he had some severe problems with his own values. He was trying to fight the fight of faith with the values of the flesh. Stay with me. He had not yet come to an understanding of the value system Jesus spoke of in the Sermon on the Mount. What are the necessary values for the good fight of faith? Jesus taught them the Beatitudes. We don't have time tonight, but I'd like to turn to Matthew chapter number 5 so we could read through the, the Beatitudes and the spirit that the child of God is to live with, the mind they're supposed to live with. I would encourage you to read it tonight. Jesus was, had taught them that, but yet that's not how he responded. He responded with the flesh. Now, think of the contrast 
after Christ rose from the dead. In 1 Peter 1, 7, he says, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's values changed from the desire for the immediate kingdom to the hope of Christ's future kingdom. We want justice now. We want the lie to be revealed now. We want Christ to be honored now. We want the church to be validated by this world now. Anybody with me? But that's not how God expects us to live. We are supposed to live for the eternal. Our fight is not for an easier way for us to live. If that is our fight, then we're fighting the wrong fight. Our fight is the unseen fight of faith with eternal values regardless of the immediate difficulty. I'm going to be honest with you. I want, I want a president who believes in the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, all the other ones, so that we have freedom to preach the gospel, freedom to tell the lost of Christ. But if we don't, this book has not changed. I'm not supposed to do it because I have freedom or so I can have freedom. I'm supposed to do it because Christ has commanded me to do it. So our, that is the eternal value that we should be living with. Not so that we can be justified now. Many take stands, scriptural stands, based on how it works out for them now. And is there a benefit for me now? That's not what the Bible teaches us. I'm supposed to lay up treasures in heaven. If I lay up treasures in heaven, when do I get to enjoy those treasures? Heaven? But Christians have lost sight of this. I want the treasures now. And in this heated political world, and not just political, it's trickled into the spiritual world as well. And, and there is a spiritual war taking place in this world today. I want, and we know, do we have the truth? Are we right? Is Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Absolutely. But he's not going to be acknowledged as that right now. And as long as we keep trying to bring that in now, now I'm thankful I've got a president who, who, who acknowledges prayer and acknowledges Jesus and says we're going to honor God. That's, a, that's, that's quite a breath of fresh air from what we have had. But the day's coming when Jesus is going to return. That's what we should be living for. Not that we are the accepted in crowd now. It's, and that gets me to number three. Peter was looking for a fight with instant gratification. Now, we criticize sometimes Peter. Maybe, maybe you haven't, but I'm sure that I have. Him drawing out his sword and whacking off an ear. And I've spent the first part of the message tonight reminding all of us what Jesus reminded him. Jesus didn't need him to do that. But can I say, it probably felt pretty good to Peter to at least whack off an ear. Probably been in some frustration. 
whacking off an ear? Because again, let's put ourselves in Peter's humanity. He, he, he sees the injustice that's being done right in front of him. And Judas, can you imagine the anger that must have risen up in him? You, sorry. And we know Peter said some things that he probably shouldn't have said because he was that fisherman. Can you imagine the internal battle that must have happened just like that? What am I supposed to do? You're not taking my Lord. What are you supposed to do? Judas, you sorry. What, what you, what, what's going on? And his reaction was, draw the sword, and he wiped off an ear. And Jesus rebuked him. But it's probably still felt good to his flesh. See, Jesus, you put it back on. No harm done. We've got to be very, very careful that we don't look for that instant gratification in our fight of the faith. Parents, let me make this application. Those of you that have small children, you better fight now. You have to fight now. You're not going to see the result for a long time. I know as a pastor, I have fought battles that I'm not going to see the result from Years, if not decades from now. Because there's a fight that you have to fight that brings no instant gratification. And that's what we like to have. I'm right. I've taken, I'll take a stand on this book and I know I'm right. So that's a proud thing to say. No, I know I'm right because this book is right. And if I stand on this book, I cannot be wrong. We'll say, well, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, they, they think this. Well, they're wrong. I don't have any problem saying that. They're wrong. Well, they said in this, they're wrong. Why? Because this book is right. But it may never be acknowledged. There may, there may Christian, there may never be a pat on the back. Peter wanted that instant gratification. That's not the fight of faith. Christians want to fight a fight that produces quick results. We have lost some things in America that has taken a generation for us to lose them spiritually. And this is, this is where, if you'll allow me, you understand the spirit, I say this, this is where I take great issue with many of the preacher brethren. Because they're making decisions to where they think they can get it back right now. Well, over the last 30 years, we've lost it. Just because you hashtag it or organize a meeting don't mean it's coming right back. There's a price to be paid that is going to bring no instant gratification. If you'll allow me to say this as your pastor, I'm trying to make decisions now that I may never see the results of. I may be looking down from the portals of glory before every building is built, before everything is fulfilled. But it's not about my instant gratification. And I, I know, and God bless them, I love them, and I pray for them, and I'm still their friend. But it's like, well, I, I couldn't do what you do because they want instant gratification. You got to be careful, Mom and Dad, bypassing for instant gratification. Christian, you got to be careful bypassing. Church, we want the power of God. There's things you got to do that don't get you instant gratification. That's why he fought the wrong fight. He was looking for instant gratification. 
we got to be very careful that, say, well, Pastor, I know we're right, and, and, I, and, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to do this. Did it make you feel better? Well, yeah, it did. Well, you, you wouldn't get Scripture to make yourself feel better. That's why I'm not, I'm not living my days making, you know, having my own YouTube channel so I can defend the faith. God can defend his, God, I'm just supposed to do, I'm supposed to live by faith. I'm supposed to preach the truth. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not looking for instant gratification. Uh, our society is driven by instant gratification. Christians too have become caught up with the need for the same. Some Christians just want to see blood. And I'm not lying. Sometimes you look at what's going on now in our nation, and it's like, oh, one day, when Jesus, I know what you're going to get. Now, that's probably not the right spirit that we should have. But it's part of that flesh of us that wants to see that instant gratification. And you hear the, the, these, these liberals on the far left and this Antifa and all of that, and it's like, we want a civil war. And we're like, what are you going to fight us with unicorns and, and fairies? You know, we have the guns. You know, and by the way, we have the men. So you don't even know what gender you are. You know, and so you're going to, you know. That's instant gratification of the flesh. But it's not really winning a spiritual battle. Some of you I've lost right now since I said unicorns and fairies. So enjoy that mental image right there. Let me say this and then I'll move to the next point. We need the wisdom to realize that we are, sometimes we fight for causes rather than for our faith. This Bible does not command me to fight for a cause. Think about it. It doesn't. I'm not saying there's not good causes, but this Bible demands that I fight for the faith, not a cause. We've got to be very careful that we don't get caught up in a cause that brings us instant gratification and at the, at the, at the expense of fighting for the faith which we are commanded to fight for. i give you number four. Peter was looking for a fight with a logical conclusion. Logic is the method by which man deduces a solution to a problem. The problem with logic is that a premise predicates it, and the, if the assumption is wrong, the conclusion, although logical, will be wrong also. And some of you have just confused by saying all that. Peter uses logic to conclude how Christ's work should be accomplished. His logical deduction led to his fight of failure as well as his failure to fight. What was wrong? Peter had the wrong premise. He failed to accept God's word as the perfect plan. This too is the failure of many Christians. Jesus did not come to do the logical thing. If he had more than 144,000 angels at his disposal, and he did, logic would seem to conclude that he could have destroyed his enemies and established his kingdom right there. That's certainly what Peter's logic concluded. But that was not the plan of God. And just because you can't logic how God's going to work something out doesn't mean it's not the right fight. We've got to be very careful when we deal with faith and we deal with the supernatural plan of God that we don't try and contain it with what is logical to us. I think in it, it stirs me and it moves me as a Christian when I read of those that have been martyred for the faith. 
We think we've got it tough. Our history, it's, it's a bloody history. Blood has been shed because of what we believe. And that is not logical to me. How can God, you, but God, the blood, of the, the blood of the martyrs of the seed of the church. God uses things that we would never think to use. You know why? Because we are bound by our own logic. God is so much higher. His ways are so much greater than our ways. He was looking for a logical conclusion. This is why if you're not careful, you can allow your logic to get ahead of the faith, get ahead of your faith. I can see how, we all do this, God, I can see how God would do this. And I can, oh, I, can't, I, I was thinking about it, and I was praying about it, and this is why God is doing it. Give it 24 hours, and he'll disprove your little theory that you came up with in the wee hours of the night. Because we don't always know why God is doing. And the Bible tells us that there's some things he will never reveal to us on this side of eternity. We will never know. Some things are not logical. I don't think if I could, be, if you allow me to be personal just for a moment, and this, this is going to sound very selfish, I don't know why it's logical that God would, it's not logical to me why God would reach into my home and take the, the life of my eight and a half month old child when I would love her, I would have her under the preaching of the gospel so she could be saved, I would rear her to serve the Lord when there are parents who won't feed their kids, who aren't bringing them to the house of God, if you'll, if you'll forgive me tonight, that makes no logical sense at all to me. But the, but the fight of faith is to say, there's a God whose ways are above my ways. There's a God who knows more than I know. And I've just got to trust that this is part of His plan. And I may not be able to logic it, one of the hardest things I do is, as a pastor, pastor in you, pastor, 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 you as a people, is when I see some of the things you go through, I have that same sense of logic. God, that's not fair. Those are faithful people. God, I don't understand why you would allow that disease to come into their life. I do not understand why you would allow that tragedy. I do not understand why you would allow that to happen. Logically, it makes no sense to me. But ultimately, we've got to understand that the fight of faith is we trust God. If you make your decisions by the logical conclusion, you're, not, you're going to lose the fight of faith as Peter did. It made no logical sense why Jesus... It, it, it doesn't make any logical sense to me except for the fact that it was part of God's plan for the Son of God to allow Himself to be mocked and spat upon and his beard plucked out, and to be lied about, and slandered, and beaten. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That makes no logical sense to me that he would allow himself to do that, except that's why he came. That was part of his plan. And if we have to accept that logic, and Peter had to accept that logic, then we have to accept the plan of God in our own life. Number five, and we're done. Peter was looking for a fight for power. Those disciples believed that Jesus was coming. Jesus was to set his kingdom up on earth. But they always blurred. Well, he's here now. He's here now to establish his kingdom. He's, he's going to set himself up now. 
That wasn't the plan of God, obviously. Peter thought it was always about power. And sometimes we as Christians, especially in our country, we think it's about us always, we always have to have the, we're always the, the Christians have to always be the majority. We have to always, it's never been that way. Why do we think that we have to have the power for God to work? The kind of power we have to have is God's power. He thought it was a fight for power. Peter's only concern was his desire for his people to rise to power. The tendency for Christians is to think of power in human terms. Think about that. Who has the most power? Well, God does. Let me me mention this to you, and then, then I'll wrap it up. The meekest Christians are the most powerful. The meekest Christians are the most powerful. The humble. A, a, a Christian with pride, God, 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 the Spirit of God is not within 100 miles of them. That Bible teaches that. But when we humble ourselves and pray, He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, He increases strength, Isaiah 40, 29. The meekest Christians are the most powerful. The verse on revival, we use for revival so often, illustrates this, but it's often overlooked. Well, if we'll pray, if we'll pray, if we'll pray, if we'll pray, humble themselves and pray. Turn from their wicked ways. The meekest Christians are the most powerful. We do not have to be the the majority for God to do His work and His plan. Are we fighting the fight of faith? Are we fighting the wrong fight? We should take the right stands. We should call America back to God. But I'm to fight the fight that God has instructed me to fight. It's not a fleshly fight. It's a spiritual fight. Hey, when in this, and I thought it's very appropriate in this political day that we live in, I get angry like you do. And if you're not angry about what's going on, about what the attack of our nation and the truth and right, you're not paying attention. We got to be very careful that we're not distracted into fighting the wrong fight. Peter lost the fight he should have won. He lost the more important fight. Jesus did not need him to take that sword off. He, had a, he, he reminded him, I could have called 140,000 angels. Do you really think I need you to do that? Christian, God, I don't need you to hop on social media and land blast the Democrats. It'd be fun. But let's take the same time and energy and pray. Uh, let's fight the right fight. I hope this, I hope this makes, makes sense. And, and there's so, so much more that I skipped over tonight. You'll have to buy the book when it comes out. But I want us to always be focused on that which is right. We're not, there's some things, and I'm, I'm working on another message that, that ties in with this. And when the Lord gives me liberty, I'll preach it. There's some things on this earth that will never be the way they're supposed to be. We've just got to leave those in God's hands. And we've got to continue to do what God wants us to do. Hey, I hope you're registered to vote. I hope you vote.
If you can register somebody else to vote, register them to vote. But don't get on a campaign and register 100 people to vote and not ask anybody to church. It's a little bit of a skewed priority. Now, if you want to go register everybody to vote, you go right ahead. Just make sure it's the right vote they're going to do. Um, but don't miss inviting people to church. Don't miss being a witness. I think, I think, I, I think we understand that. Father.